Hey boss mama, my name is Laura Katanen, and my big dream is that mothers are valued as an asset in the business world with equal opportunities to pursue their dreams while showing future generations what is possible with the right mindset. I'm a dreamer and doer by nature who loves the challenge of bringing dreams to life and went from corporate change leader to entrepreneur, wife, and mom all around the same time. This brought on massive identity shifts which encouraged me to wake up and rethink everything I believed and valued about myself and life. By learning how to expand my mind, I was not only able to ignite my soul's purpose and passions, but also elevate my business and life in quantum leaps. I want the same for you, which is why I am here to talk about the mindset required to dream bigger and the simple steps you can take to bring your dreams to life so you can shine brighter sharing your remarkability, and making the impact in the world only you can. Besides getting vulnerable, sharing my personal journey, and lessons learned, I also interview pioneers paving a new way for all women. Even though women have orbited our planet as astronauts, there is still an unconscious cultural bias around mothers in the workforce, which is why it's time to start thinking differently about our power in the world. If this resonates with you, grab your headphone and your favorite beverage and let's dive into the topics that challenge and motivate us to have the right mindset and keep going despite the roadblocks and chaos around us as we juggle this thing called Boss Mama Life. Sending you love, light, and lots of imagination as we dive into our next episode. Hello, Boss Mamas. Welcome back. Can you believe that we are in season three? I can't. I have been on quite this journey talking to so many amazing Boss Mamas about mindset and their entrepreneur journey, and it just lights me up. So I'm really excited to kick off season three talking about something that I know all of you Boss Mamas out there have one way or another struggled with this, and it is the fear of selling. So I'm so excited because here with me today is an amazing boss mama who I had the privilege of meeting in a group on Facebook and we just connected and became buddies. Um, and her name is Alicia Barr. She is a bespoke sales and marketing strategist for solopreneurs and sales teams. Really anyone focused more on creating an impact um, and that is more focused on impact than financial gain. She is also host of her amazing podcast, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. And that is what we are going to get into today. Thank you so much for being here, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm so excited to be your first episode of the year. I know it's really exciting. And I think it's such a great way to open the year. I think this pandemic has really pushed people to worry about money, but at the same time, be afraid to ask for money. It's really, really interesting, right? Yeah, that is very true. So before we get into it, I, you know, um, I always do a quick little meditation and pull a card before my podcast episodes, but I've never shared the cards. So this year I thought I was going to switch it up a little bit and start by sharing the card that I pulled. And it's amazing. I do this for my clients too, and it's always so spot on. So today's card is, it's from the Goddess Guidance Oracle card deck by Doreen Virtue, and it's the Goddess Mott, and she's all about fairness. She's Ooh. really beautiful. I will post a picture 
Um, but what I really loved about this is it talks about the situation will be handled in a fair and just manner. And I think when we talk about sales, when we talk about you know, selling with heart and soul um, for impact, we talk about it from the, from, the, from the perspective of, am I getting paid for the value that I'm giving, right? And that's fairness, right? Like that's what makes the selling process when you're selling to think about impact, you know, really, yeah, that's where it really all boils down to, right? So I know for you, most, you know, that you and I have had this conversation that most sales approaches today are focusing on people's pain points. What are the problems that people experience and how can I tell them that my product or service addresses those problems? You though are on a totally opposite camp and I'm there right, I'm right there with you. You found that hope sells more than pain in sales. Can you tell us more about this and give us an example? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of people like knowing what is causing someone pain and what their challenges are is definitely important. It's just that the sales approaches today are entirely focused around it to almost this point of feeling some shame about it, like really getting someone in a dark place so that they feel like the only way out is your offer. And that's what I'm not a huge fan of. And I found that it doesn't work as well as focusing on the hope of what is possible now that we're working together. So yes, things are painful. Yeah, some bad decisions were probably made. You're human. Now let's focus on how great things are going to be now on the other side of this. So it's like really moving someone to the other side of their situation instead of just like marinating in how awful everything is. Because I find that people buy more when they feel good and excited than just feeling awful and like, well, I guess this is my only lifeline. You know, and I see this a lot in terms of like, okay, so a big pain point that most people face, and that's what we're talking about, is this fear of not being able to get wealthy enough, to feel that they're not going to earn what they want or have what they want. And there's this huge uh, social dilemma as well on top of it all, right? Because, you know, you see people in fancy houses or driving these really expensive cars and you think I want that how do I get that what's and then and then people are using that to sell to you right like I will make you seven figures the first month you're working with me or something along those lines so what are your thoughts on that yeah so I think that there's I mean there's always some type of comparison culture going on but at everybody's heart and soul their root they know that that is not the right way to be happy. So like in my sales process, I'm like, let's, if you were to completely focus on like, look at how bad you're doing compared to all of these other people. And if you want to be like these people, this is how you do that. It's more just like, what do you want out of life? Like, are you actually unhappy with your situation? Because honestly, just because someone's driving a Bentley does not mean that their life is fully together. So do you want to have a lot of debt? Would you rather not have debt? Would you rather have time off than money? And really talking somebody through in a transparent way and, and helping them kind of sort their own mind junk. And that clarity is can be really powerful in the sales process and make somebody realize that, you know, that wasn't their goal and they have everything they need or like they have, you know, 
different goals than what they thought. And they're appreciative that you were able to help them get to that conclusion. And you're able to help them get to that result that they've figured out rather than just being like, well, do you want the jet? It just feels like you're manipulating me, you know, that something feels off about it. I understand. And when you talk about hope and when you talk about focusing on like, you know, what people's dreams are and how can you help them achieve the dreams, it almost makes me feel, it doesn't almost make me feel, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is Obama campaign. Like, I feel like that's what he did and he did so well, right? Like he focused on the change. Hope is like the most, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can have. Um, you know, people always talk about going to really impoverished areas of the world and they're some of the happiest people. And it's because they have the hope that if things were different, if they can do this or that once it's kind of like, I mean, I don't want to get dark, but like Anthony Bourdain had absolutely everything and was still sad. And that hopelessness is what led to him taking his life. So if there's hope that things can get better and as salespeople, I think it's just focusing them in the right direction and helping them realize that just because they have a jet or a Bentley, that's not necessarily going to achieve their goal. What is your actual goal? And let's talk about that. And the more you focus on the hope instead of the pain and feeling bad, the more honest people are with you about their why, instead of feeling this shame that's being caused from like how unsuccessful you've been up to this point or whatever, then you don't want to have that honest, transparent conversation. And when you can have that honest, transparent conversation, that means there's trust and trust is what results in a sale. Trust is what results in any relationship, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Okay. So then a lot of the women that I've talked to, this has been a big hurdle for them to overcome in their business and in their life. What would you say is sales in general, but what would you say is the most common mindset hurdle that they need to do when it, when they need to overcome, uh, when it comes to closing the sale? Yeah. So I would say the biggest issue for most people, even people who are like good salespeople is they've all, we've all had an experience with a bad salesperson, one who was like manipulative and aggressive and gross and like left you feeling disgusting. And so people go so 180 in the opposite direction that they actually undersell themselves or unsell themselves. Cause they're so scared of being that person. And a lot of it is because they don't know what to do instead that's effective. But if you think about how you're actually selling all the time, <laughs> like if you sell your spouse or significant other on, you know, something that you want to do or your kids on eating their vegetables or going to sleep early or a friend on going to an event with you, it's the same conversation. You want to act the same way you would if you were in rapport with somebody Mm. and uh, yeah. And really understand that if you are not that gross person and so go so far as underselling, you're actually doing that person a disservice. It's like, do you, like when you talked about um, caring more about impact than financial gain, it's like, do you actually deliver on your service? Like, do you do a good job? Do you care about your clients? Then you owe it to them to sell them because somebody who's good at sales will do a worse job on delivery and you can save them from that. And if you kind of come from that uh, place of empathy, it can often trigger it uh, the opposite direction. Cause like you said, everybody feels bad during the pandemic, 
But if you think about them, if they don't work with you or think about what their life looks like, if they work with somebody who sold them and didn't deliver what they sold, Mm. it can force you to really have a transparent conversation with somebody where you're like, wait, what do you need? Let me make sure I can take care of you. And you, you aren't so worried about being gross. Cause if you're worried about being gross, let me tell you, you're not going to be gross. Um, you're just finally doing yourself justice and, and helping somebody with something that they need help with. That's why this card I thought was so perfect because one of the things that it says in the book is it's about finding it's, it's, let, let me suggest another definition for fairness. It's when all parties involved surrender their personal agendas in favor, in favor of the greater good for the entire group. And this is what I think is so important about sales, right? If, if, if you're not just thinking about how much money you're going to get into the bank account by having the sale, but you're thinking about what is the impact that I'm going to be able to have? What value would I put on that? What value would other people put on that? That's where this whole thing comes in play. But I, but I believe, and I'm curious what you think, it's because we aren't properly trained from a very young age how to have negotiation conversations. I mean, I personally didn't go through proper conflict management training until I was in grad school. And I think that's too far in somebody's life to think about those things. What is your experience? And I'm curious as a, a boss mama who does this for a living, you know, have you thought about, you know, how do you incorporate this into, I know your daughter's very young, but like how you're raising your child and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's really cool that you brought up that point. Um, I am shocked all the time at the complete lack of communication skills and it, a lot taught in school and all of that. And a lot of it depends you're the what, communication skills you grow up with are usually a product of like the culture or environment. And Americans are pretty, um, they're definitely kind of dishonest because they're scared of being rude. So they're the ones who will say, um, some weird excuse that will leave somebody following up with them forever. Instead of just saying, I'm not interested, <laughs> you know, completely. um, completely stuff like that. So I don't know. I wish that communication was, was taught more. Cause that's what sales is. It's just communication at a basic um, level, but also something that is so powerful in sales is empathy and not empathy for like, Oh my God, I, I feel so bad asking you for money. That's not the empathy I'm talking about. It's the empathy for understanding their situation and the, and how, and how it might be difficult or scary or frustrating or really being able to put yourself in their shoes. It's not a me too, which is a common thing in sales. Oh, me too, me too. No, it's like, wow, if I was in that situation, I could see that that would feel like a betrayal. Yes, they feel understood all of a sudden because all anybody really wants in life is to feel heard and understood. And so one of the things that I really try to teach my daughter is that like, there are other people in this family and in this world and in this equation and what you do affects them. And it's not all about you. <laughs> like, Oh my God. I'm going through that with my toddler right now. Yeah. I mean, because like we have this battle every night at bedtime and he only wants mommy. And I'm like, listen, I wish that I could put you to bed every night, but I can't, you know, we need, we need to divide and conquer. Mommy has to do the laundry and daddy can do this. And then but it's, it's really interesting that whole concept of, or even like, you know, if he wants 
a snack and I'm doing something else. I'm like, you just, you need to learn that there's other things going on. There's other people we need to negotiate and we need to understand that timing is key, right? It's such a foreign concept for four-year-olds though. <laughs> well, honestly, it's actually a foreign concept for a lot of adults. <laughs> so <I know>. <laughs> um, since I've been talking about empathy being such a powerful part of the sales process, I found that most people don't know what it is. Wow. Which is shocking to me. So, I mean, it's that feeling when your heart goes out to somebody is what empathy feels like. It's the awareness that what would you, it's a feeling, what would you feel like if you were in that person's situation and then giving voice to that so that somebody feels seen. It's exactly what, you know, I, I went to a couple's workshop with my husband between our two kids because we needed to work on communication. And what you're saying is so true. Communication is so cultural. I mean, my husband is Finnish and I'm American. So our styles are just like night and day, right? Yeah, sure. This can really blow things up. Um, and then you and then you throw in there that there are typical differences between how men and women show up in their communication style, oh, yeah. right? So, you know, we really had to figure out how to do that together, how to do that dance together. And what was a fascinating, eye-opening uh, experience for him is that, you know, most of the time, this is the difference between men and women too, is like, he just wanted to problem solve. And all I just wanted him to say is, oh, it makes sense. You know, how can I help you? And that's it. Um, and this is, I think the same in sales, like exactly what you're saying, right? Like you're basically listening so that you can say that makes sense. And yes, put a, put a word to it if you, if you can, but you also don't even have to do that. You can just say, you know, what are you looking for? How can I help? And that's just so powerful. Yeah. Being able to, to let somebody know that you hear them and you could imagine that situation. And then that's just the second part of that to add to sales is like, in my experience, this is how we've solved that situation. So like what how does this sound? What does this sound like it would be helpful to you in this instance and getting you to this result? Is that what you're looking for because you've had this experience and that kind of line of discussion? So the empathy is just living in there and hearing them, which is great, but it's not going to sell them unless you in sales in particular, you have to move them to the other side. But I totally agree with the so men true. versus women thing. And that's very common is that women just want to talk about it. I'm a talk through her personally, like, Same. And, <laughs> yeah, like I need to talk it out. And, um, it helps me understand like my thoughts and my feelings more. And it's not necessarily that I need you to jump in and solve everything. And it's such a common, uh, disconnect between men and women. But you know, what you're basically saying is, is that it boils down to communication. And I think with all of the things that are out there now, click funnels and, and whatever is out there for sales leads and we overcomplicate it. And that's when it becomes overwhelming for people, because that's when they're like, do I need all these fancy things? And, and what if I don't have them? And, and it really, it's about peeling back all of that and, and, and being yourself, right? Yeah. It's about just understanding people like your ideal client. And a lot of it is narrowing down your ideal client too. Who do you love working with and being able to say no to the person who's not your ideal client and, and that's okay. Um, and yeah, when you are yourself, the people that come to you are people that you naturally want to work with, uh, is the beautiful thing. But I, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go, go ahead. Well, I think you're right that people overcomplicate it. So a lot of times on sales calls, people are thinking, how do I sell this person? What can I say that will sell them? But it's not, that is going to make it so that you do not sell them. What you need to focus on is how do I understand their problem? And once you understand it, you'll naturally present your, yeah, like how you could help. You just don't go into detail and go down rabbit holes of like coaching and education, which can happen sometimes. It's just like, yeah, this is exactly what I do. You sound so much like my client, you know, Tina, who was feeling the same way. And, you know, three months later, she only works 20 hours a week and takes her kid to, you know, the park on Fridays. And it's just like a whole world of difference that kind of thing. That's incredible. So I'm curious how you got into loving sales so much and wanting to really support people to sell so that they could make a difference. Yeah. So my parents were always in sales and I didn't never really think that I was going to be good at sales because I'm not salesy, you know? Um, I like people but, um, I just really cared. Like people are always like, how do you, how can you be good at sales? Just genuinely give a shit. That is really all. If you have that, you're going to be fantastic because people can feel that you actually care. So I just really cared about taking care of all of my clients and I was always really excited about it. So I always say passion is a big piece of it too. Like imagine, you know, yes, you have empathy for where they are right now, but imagine them on the other side, like the relief that they're going to feel and like how free their life is going to be. And it's exciting to imagine that and get excited about it. So those kinds of things always swung in my favor. I just didn't say, I wasn't ever trying to sell someone. I was really trying to work within their situation and bring them the best solution and not force anything. And then I got into this space and I realized that plus making money is just really fun. Like winning sales is a, <laughs> is a high of its own. Like it is so fun. So of course it's like kind of addicting. Um, and then I got into this online entrepreneur space after I, I closed my digital marketing agency that I started. And I noticed that there was just like a serious lack of any kind of quality training. And it seemed like everyone, like there was one, can I swear on the show? Uh-huh. Yes. For, by all means. <laughs> I think there was one asshole who created some framework and everybody's been regurgitating that same asshole framework for everyone else. And nobody, it's almost like nobody has actual experience with real sales or something. It, it's so I was just really excited to bring relief to people in this space that they don't have to do that if it doesn't work for them. And actually, I think it probably only works for a very small minority of people who have that type of personality that, you know, tell someone how dumb they're being and it actually works. Um, so it's, I, yeah. It's so good to hear you say that. And I mean, I just think that there are so many women who are going to be high-fiving you <laughs> or giving you a hands up because I think that's also the, the myth around the whole thing, right? And it's so fascinating that the idea that there's only one way, I mean, there cannot be only one way, right? Like it's impossible. So we have to work at finding our own way, right? 
Yeah, it's absolute madness that it, there would only be one way. And then they say that they sign up for the program and they tell them that they're not implementing it correctly or they have a mindset issue. And that's why it's not selling, which is just another form of the shaming that happened on the original sales call. And it just makes everybody feel powerless. So no, I'm all about the custom process because whoever created that original framework had a different personality and a different audience and a different service than you. So I mean, I think maybe I got this point of view because I used to sell on uh, four-legged calls as a team because I was like the digital marketing specialist for print reps. And so I got to see so many different styles. And then I just picked the things that I liked and wove them into my own thing. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like everybody else just didn't actually get any, any experience from anybody else. They just got this one script and they did a bunch of sales calls and probably bombed most of them. And it's like, this is the way you do it. So I don't know if it's like that it, all these people actually don't have sales experience or like what it is, but yes, custom to you. That's what my whole course and coaching is, is a customized process to your personality, um, product and audience. I love it. I mean, I'm sold. I, I love it. And I love you. Oh, so, um, I, that. I'm sure that in your life, you've had somebody that you've looked up to or mentored you and gave you some really good advice. What was this for you and how did you put it into practice? Like you mean in regards to sales or just whatever? Yeah, maybe sales would be good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so I didn't. Okay. So one of my favorite pieces of sales advice, I had this guy that I used to sell with all the time, Paul, he was so funny. We had auto automotive clients, which are nightmare clients, by the way, oh they are like full of ego, no education and lots of testosterone. So they will scream at you until the veins on their foreheads pop out. So the only way to really deal with that is like to have fun. And this guy was totally fun. So he would always say, do not reach out unless you are providing something of value to them without a valid business reason. So a lot of people reach out and say like, Oh, like just wanted to talk to you about my blah, 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 or just checking in to follow up. And that shit just doesn't sell. So he would always say like, keep it short. Like I remember one of my first emails that I did when working with him, he like edited down to two sentences was like, nobody has time for this. Um, and it was like, it needs to be like an article relevant to their industry that you can pull for them or something that you're doing for them that makes their lives better. It makes them want to continue to talk to you. And I thought that was or, fantastic advice. Very good advice. I, my, my brother, he once uh, told me when he worked at GE, he would, he said that um, Jack Welch would not open your email if he couldn't uh, read uh, and make a decision from the subject line. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, about short. <laughs> yeah. But like you really, I, I mean, people I get it though. Time is money, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, when I had my marketing agency, I tried to make it work with some interns and they come out of college, like with these, you know, they're used to writing these whatever many word essays and the emails. And the first exercise I did with both of them was like, how could you say this with the least amount of words possible? Like what you just wrote me. And they saw that they were repeating the same thing, like four different times. They were masking it in the middle of a bunch of words, like just. Yeah. So what is your thoughts around email marketing then? Oh, well, are you on my email list? <laughs> 
maybe oh. I will be on now. But when I when I hear you talk about this, the first thing that pops in my mind is, you know, how long people's emails can be. Mine are super short. <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, yeah, they're really, really short and they're actionable. So they're, they're primarily value driven. Like people tell me that I need to sell more in them, which I'm still figuring out. Um, but yeah, I just focus on how I can help you in like little snippets. But I think that is selling in a way, right? Subtle selling. Yeah. Like if they like, if they, my opinion is that when you get results from, um, the stuff that I show you for free, that you'll want to work with me more because you'll know that I actually know what I'm talking about. I like it. Now you're making me think about the email that was going to go out this week for Ziello. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I should shorten it. I love it. Great. Thanks coach. Um, <laughs> so what other tricks do you have up your sleeve? What are maybe just do give us, give all the boss mamas listening that are still in the fearful mindset of selling. What are two tricks that you believe are super helpful to closing deals? So I will say that, um, you know, outside of changing your mindset to being like, can I help this person and completely focusing on them and understanding their situation and not thinking about yourself or selling yourself at all. Um, like that initial shift needs to be made, but then also just a lot of people assume what the other person wants to hear and start just selling like, or pitching or something. Um, and they're usually wrong. So like, for example, if somebody's like, well, I mean, so how, how much time does it take to do this? And you just start launching into how it really doesn't take that much time and da, 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 da. Cause you're assuming that they have a time objection, but they might have been asked, like, instead ask more questions. It's all about just understanding somebody more. So being able to say, yeah, what makes you ask that? Do you have a schedule that you need to adhere to? Yeah, I really, I can only do this on Fridays and Tuesdays. That's totally fine. Like instead of you launching into this complete like guess of an assumption. Um, so just always asking more questions to understand more and never making assumptions or guessing. I love the quote by Stephen Covey. Maybe you know it. It's seek it's seek to understand before being understood. Ah, yeah, that sums it up perfectly. Like just really stop yourself from trying to quote unquote overcome any objection because the second you start overcoming it, the person stops listening. So, I mean like Imagine when you're on a call and you give an objection, you're like ready for the person. Like you're only going to listen and take it with a grain of salt and kind of tune out. Right. Yeah. Start scrolling Instagram or planning what you're going to have for dinner. <laughs> yeah. But if the person's asking you questions that kind of like get to the heart of your objection, and it's usually a non-issue when you get to the heart of it, then it's totally different. And it's a conversation like, and then the other thing I would say is a lot of people have a habit of making the um, beginning of the call, which is a time when you ask questions, like an interrogation. So it's like question, they give you the answer. You go to the next question, they give you an answer. You go to the next question, they give you an answer. And that's like not a great feeling. So when you give an answer to something, you kind of want to know, like, was it a good answer? Like, is this relevant to you? Um, does this sound normal? 
et cetera. So giving them feedback on their answer in a way that provides insight and value, it causes it to be more of an exchange, a conversation exchange than an interrogation. I love it. I am curious because you mentioned it's about, it's just like having a negotiation or trying to influence your spouse or partner on something. What is something you're most proud of that you were able to influence and win over, sell your husband on? Uh, Everybody's listening is dying to know, I'm sure. Oh man. Um, So I don't know about that. I mean, I guess I would say like buying our first house, but it really just came down to me being like, okay, I'm going to do this without you then. (laughs) So whatever. (laughs) And then he was like, okay, I'll pitch in. Um, my husband is particularly stubborn and slow. So a lot of times it's like, I just have to be like, uh, I don't want to say I don't consider his opinion. Cause of course I do, but Alicia, if I feel <laughs> 23 wedding locations, my husband had to look at, Oh my gosh. And I knew after the second one and where did we end up getting married the second. at the second one? Oh God, that's so frustrating. And then we bought a house together and it was the same song and dance, not 23, but it was like pretty intense. And so I started to understand his decision-making process, which was vastly different from mine. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So this, when we moved here, I was like, it is not going to be like this again. We're going to find it. We're going to move on it. (laughs) Yeah. Did it work? Yes. Okay. Thank God. Yeah. We've been together nine years. (laughs) So sometimes you just don't have time for that kind of analysis. And I I mean, like I would say, give it to. Especially in the middle of COVID. That's when we moved. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say like, give him some list with like pros and cons or something. But my husband is the kind of person who's like, well, did you give me all of them? And then has to go look himself. So it's like, I don't even want to waste my time with it. (laughs) Like, I see it already, but the difference between my son and my daughter, I mean, it's just crazy how we're born into certain things, right? Like it's just mind blowing. Wow. We could probably talk forever about this uh, partnership negotiations that we have to go through. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, to the point of sales, it's just about understanding him. So you understand how he makes the decision process now. And so you're able to deliver that information in a way that he can consume and move on and feel safe. It's all about feeling safe and like trust the decision being made. Like, okay, I have the information I need to make a good decision. Um, and I, and I trust that. And it's like about presenting it in the way, you know, he wants to hear it. Absolutely. I love it. So we've talked about so much. We've talked about empathy. We've talked about focusing on impact, asking the right questions, not trying to go into assumptions and, and into an actual sales pitch before, you know, I mean, so many golden nuggets, people probably want to replay this. Um, please leave us comments and let us know what resonated the most. And the last question that I have for you before we end is who is your favorite boss mama right now? Who's somebody you look up to? Yeah. So I really love Julie Stoyan. Um, I think I told you this one before. She used to be the CMO for ClickFunnels and she, yeah, she branched off on her own with this girl who's really cool. Well, she's not a girl. She's a woman, um, another boss mama. And she has like purple and 
blue hair and stuff, really cool hair. Um, and they have just made an absolute fortune on standing up for what they believe in and not, not like compromising anything. So, um, she's super raw and vulnerable and explains like all the painful decisions that she's had to make and go through because things aren't always, I mean, they rarely are so straightforward and clear cut. Right. I mean, she talks about her decision leaving Russell and how scary it was to go on her own and, you know, what she's had to do since then partnerships that have failed. And it's just like, she's so real, but not in the way that it's just like this person throwing themselves a pity party, but in a way that you could learn from it and feel like not alone. You know, it's so crazy how many people that I coach think that something's wrong with them if success or uh, or a huge amount of likes aren't happening right away, you know? And when you listen to a story like that, you gave me the chills because, you know, this is what it's about. I mean, we shall focus more on the journey than the destination and knowing that the journey is going to be bumpy as hell and accepting that it's not linear. It's going to go all the way like a roller coaster up and down and enjoying it all and knowing that every part of that is going to help you reach your destination with way more appreciation, right? And so I love that vulnerability and aspect of her and the story that you're sharing about her. So everybody go check her out. I will also um, put her Instagram account in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. What a special conversation this has been. I'm really excited to come out full blazing with such an important topic for all you boss mamas to really ignite your passions again and remember why you're doing what you're doing and what it is that you want to create, what impact you want to have, what legacy you want to leave. This is really all it's about. So thank you, Alicia, for inspiring everyone and me and for being such a badass. I love you. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. And yes, I hope that all of you guys um, feel confident and empowered to sell yourself because you are really doing the people a disservice by not selling them. And they could end up with somebody really awful. And that's, they should be with you. You will take good care of them. (laughs) Well, thank you. And everybody um, check out Alicia and check out her podcast to learn more nuggets and wisdom. Um, And we will put all of the information on how to find Alicia in the show notes below. So until the next episode, I'm sending all of you lots of love, light, and imagination. Kick ass, boss mamas.